Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I am your host, Tammy West, and I'm so excited to be here. This is only the second guest that I've had on for this entire season. It's just been me. I am not reading bios for these two ladies because they are both very close to me. I've known them both for a number of years, and so I'll just let them introduce themselves to you real quick, and then we want to talk about this topic of mental health in the church. We don't know where it's going to go. We have some ideas, but we'll see. And if it goes longer than our normal, we'll just do a couple of different episodes. We'll just see. So Michelle, will you tell tell our listeners who you are? Yes, absolutely. I'm Michelle Kixmiller. I'm a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. I see these days mostly um, individuals 22 and under, but I do see adults sometimes uh, as well. And I've been doing this for six years in the mental health pool for eight and a half years. And I know Tammy because we taught together way back when um, we had our classrooms were right beside each other. So we would meet in the break room. At, we did. In between, and um, we experienced classes. mental health things yes. there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And everybody knows you already because we were co-hosting together. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. So that's for anybody who's who's new and um, anybody who's been around a while, they know we fly by the seat of our pants when we do things together. So that's right. And Gracie will that's fit good. just in with that yes. because she's, you know, she's good. So Gracie, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, so my name is Gracie Lichtenstein and I'm a holistic psychotherapist by training. My current job slash career is I'm manager of training for an employee assistance program. So I get to go ahead and just spread good mental health all over the place. And one of the reasons that this, I was so thrilled, Tammy, that you had asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Um, my birth name is not Grace. My you did tell me, Beth. but they don't know. So yeah. So Beth with no middle name, by the way. So what happened was, is I used to be a primary counselor in a drug rehab facility. And I was doing group therapy one day and there's a lot of guilt and shame early in recovery. Oh my gosh, just, and my, my clients were talking about how they couldn't believe their family still loved them and supported them and, you know, did all this other stuff. And, and they were having a hard time accepting help. And I said, you know what, that's, that's what sobriety is. Sobriety is receiving the love, the support that people give you, whether you feel you deserve it or not. And somebody said, well, what you're talking about is grace. And if you love it so much, you should change your name to it. (laughs) So I did legally. So my name is, my name is Grace. Because, that is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Because this is something that we as human beings, we need, we need this grace. We need this support. And so, like I said, I'm thrilled to be here because this is something I believe in very, very strongly. Yes, I know you do. And great. We, we train together when we run the seminar route. Um, we think, we don't know how many times, but it wasn't Often yeah. years ago, uh, 2000 and we don't know, six, seven, eight, like seven, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. And then it was actually Gracie who helped me to really get back on the track to speaking when she called me to do something mental health related through her EAP program. And that really just made me go, wow, I miss this so much. And so, so yeah, I am. Um, do you all mind if I just share the quick story of why this, okay. So about, I I think I've told both of you this story. It's been two or three weeks ago and I was sitting with a group of people in church and no condemnation here. No, I'm just stating what happened. The topic of mental health came up and there were a couple of different comments. Um, One of them was that people with, and there were air quotes, mental health 
just wanted to live in it. And so the conversation got a little bit weird in that way. And then it also came down to what we all hear. And it was just, just pray more, you know, just pray more. And I, I know when I wrote my first book, one of the things I said was, even though I've always been a believer um, in God and Jesus, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily have a relationship. And I almost, and I said this in my book, I said, I was almost glad that I didn't because if, if during the time when I was beginning my healing, because if I did, then I would have had one more thing to feel anxious about. And that would have been the fact that I didn't trust God enough because I was having to get help. And so I just, I, it struck me not for me. I mean, I've come a long way since the days of super poor mental illness, mental crisis, but I still have a, a journey just like all of us do. But I know there are people who are suffering in the church and they're afraid to talk about it. And so that's what prompted us to have this conversation. So I'll let one of you talk. I mean, I could talk the whole time, but I'm not. <laughs> so, so tell me. Like, I mean, I like just have a question, like in how many people, like, because in a group like that, like in that discussion, there's always people who are really quiet. So it's like, you wonder like if there's other people kind of that have struggled, but it's just, it's hard. And I think that kind of being in a position now where I've heard a lot of people tell me about, you know, things that were said or things that have pulled them away from the church and they're trying to come back with things mm -hmm. in regards to mental health. Um, like this, you know, they told me just to pray more or I don't have enough faith. Um, you know, um, I have this fear of driving. I have panic attacks, but they told me if I had enough faith in God, I'd get in the car and just come like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people crying and just to be able to, to say, you know, how much God loves people and that a struggle does not equal, does not mean you don't have enough faith or that God doesn't love you and to approach everything in that regard with love and understanding and like to understand that like we've never walked in somebody else's shoes. That's right. So, I mean, that's right. Um, and yes, you're right. Then I did wonder in a group because it happens all the time, not just in church. And and I want to, I should say this too, I should have said at this beginning that I did, I reached out to several pastors in my sphere. Um, one, I didn't hear back from, and it was very last minute. I should have done it way before, but I didn't. So one, I didn't hear back from one was too busy and one I did talk with, and it was a great conversation. Um, I may have him on as a guest, but I promised them all that I would not, it's not a church bashing. It's not, yeah, it's not condemnation. It's just a conversation, you know, yeah. but, but yeah. we hear it in the church and out of the church that, that people don't want to talk about their mental health struggles because we still know there's a stigma and you would hope it would be better in the church, but it's not. I mean, Gracie, is there, what have you experienced? Well, I mean, a couple of things. The first is I think sometimes we don't realize or we forget that while I feel bad and I am bad are two very different things. It's very easy to get those kind of tied together. And mm -hmm. so when we hear things about, we'll just try harder, pray more, it really emphasizes that whole thing of I am bad. I mean, so one of my favorite stories is I was nine years old, it was Good Friday, so 1979, Good Friday, 1979, I was at church. 
And the homily, I grew up Catholic, the homily was the regular Good Friday uh, based on that. And I don't r- remind me the homily. Well, so the homily is like the sermon in, in the Catholic church. It's like the sermon. Yeah, I grew so up Catholic yeah. too, but only till oh, I was yeah. 10. So I don't remember okay. that. Yeah. So, so they do the two readings and then they do the, the priest does the gospel reading and then they, he has a homily, the sermon and the gospel was the part of the crucifixion and Christ is on the cross. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. And what the priest said afterwards was Jesus had a moment of weakness and he lost his faith. And all I could think of was, I don't have enough faith. I mean, there's something wrong with me. If we can, you know, what I needed to hear, now I was nine years old. And the reason I remember that is that's the year that I realized that suicide was an option for me. That it was an option? Okay. Do you, yes. you realize it was an option? Why are you going to go on to tell well, us? Well, just, just because I realized I had means I could do it. It was a legitimate option for me. And I had depression. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. What I, the person that was struggling, didn't need to hear is that as Christ was being crucified, for him to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was not a weakness. It was not a, a loss of faith. What it was, was another sermon I heard 10 years later, where the priest was talking about the duality of Christ, divine, fully divine and fully human. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was the example of how Christ was fully human. Mm. And that was a human experience. That's what I needed to hear. I didn't need to hear, well, it was a moment suffering. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people don't realize that message and tied into, I feel bad, I am bad. And in, a lot of times it's meant to be inspiring. Right. Right. And I, I think, you know, that's an important point too, is that I think people who, well, first of all, I think people who say that, that common thing, just try, pray harder, get closer to Jesus. Well, we all need to pray more and get closer to Jesus. I mean, of course, but as the solution, they really I think they really do two things. I think they really think they're helping. And the second thing is they probably haven't experienced a mental health crisis of sorts, you know, I mean, not because there, we all have mental health on it. You guys have more like actual clinical experience and things than I do, but we're all on this journey and we're all on this continuum of the best mental health ever. You know, I'm on top of the world to I'm falling off the world. Um, We're all on that, but they, some people who say that have probably not experienced a low low. I, I think that, you know, as, you know, devout Christians, that's what we want to do. Like we all want to help, but I think that like the concept that there's a difference between a testimony and actual, like, you know, working experience and knowledge of a topic. And so it's wonderful and encouraging to hear a testimony of how someone overcame something but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way God is going to heal or handle everybody's situation. And so sometimes I think that testimony and, you know, it it can be a little bit confusing 
can be a little bit confusing because if someone is healed in a certain way, but then someone else feels like they need another way, what I've seen sometimes is, oh, you don't need that. You just need this. God did this for me this way. So that's what you need. And it just doesn't always, there's so many different paths and I think God does that on purpose so that we have different ways to connect to people. But um, sometimes I think those, those things are, are seen intertwined. You know, the, the conversation that I had that I did wind up having um, with the pastor today, he he actually said, he said, you know, one of the conversations, I can't remember if he said he had it or another pastor, I don't remember, but the conversation went to someone who was struggling. God is going to heal you, whether it's by miracle, whether it's by counseling and medication or some other path, or whether it's on this side of eternity, God will heal you in some way. And I thought that is so beautiful. You know, that healing can come in many different ways. And then he also said, which, which I completely believe, and I believe that you too will, but please chime in if you don't, that medication should never be a crutch of, I'm not going to try in any other way to help my mental health. I will just do this and leave God out of it and not try anything else. And I'm always, I've always been a believer in that, that medication is going to help it's that is completely out of the scope of my expertise but from my personal experience i'm not someone who will be on medication forever um i've had certain time periods you both know and and every, people who are listening know i recently i just i just finished and weaned myself back off it's not something i need for a lifetime some people do some people don't some people but it's it's individual and it's not up to the church sorry now i feel like i'm getting mad it's not up to the church to judge it it's not that is not your place to help well, and support i think looking at medication if we look at it like any other thing like diabetes some people can manage their diabetes with diet diet and exercise some need insulin some need insulin so their bodies can reset and things like that. Some need it for the rest of their life. Right. And I think we forget because it's mental health that it's not imaginary. Just, I mean, you, you can't see it, but you can't see diabetes either. Right. It's, it's, it's a brain thing. And some people's brains don't produce certain chemicals or don't use them correctly. Just like some people's pancreas doesn't. But I think you're right. What I like is, is that if we rely on medication and don't do anything else, that can be problematic. Well, yeah, it, it may keep you out of crisis, but it's probably not going to get you to the point where you have, where you have true mental health, where you're, you're functioning and feeling good about your life. And I mean, you know, there, there's a know. lot of spectrum. I feel like there's, there's such a huge spectrum in it when like the term mental health is so broad. And I think that like, I mean, as someone who prescribes medication, that's it's, what I was going to say, let people yeah, know you prescribe. it's it's one piece. I mean, I always tell people it is one piece of recovery. It is not the whole thing. Like, um, I can tell you that anyone I have ever seen, they would not say that I said, well, you should just do medication. You don't need therapy. Uh, -uh. Like that's never going to be my, that's never going to be what I tell somebody. And like, I think that, you know, understanding like, okay, there's situational depression. And then there's a depression that is generational where the person can't get out of bed and they don't eat and they don't try. So it's a huge spectrum. There's bipolar disorder. There's so many different things. And I think that like the topic mental health, like I've, I've actually heard a sermon where the person stood up there and said, you know, mental medication is not the answer for mental health. Well, I mean, and that was just the blanket statement. 
I mean, that's kind of a, a broad, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a statement and it's, it's a broad topic. So I think understanding that there's a lot of area that the term mental health covers, but no, it's definitely not the only piece, but there are some diagnosis where it is more essential than others. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that more than, you know, I Googled just a couple things, just, I told you where I would be looking all over at my, so I was just looking at, okay, so what, what, how many churches like are there in America and just this one figure, and I don't even know where they got it, but as of 2020, it was an estimated 380,000 churches in the U S. And so then I started looking at, I, I Googled, you know, churches with mental health ministries. It was just minuscule. Um, the pastor I talked to today, they have counseling on staff. They provide coverage for staff if they need it. They've had a sermon series, which he is going to send me. Um, I looked at, you sent the Saddleback Church, which the funny thing you sent, Michelle, you did. And then Saddleback Church is one that has a mental health ministry. And and did you know, do you know why? Like what started that ministry? No. So like, um, I believe it's, so Kay and Rick Rick Warren, Mm -hmm. Like they had a, a son and Gracie may know that they had like one of their sons like was just plagued with severe, severe depression and he completed suicide. Oh, yes. I, yeah. I did. And they know started that. that ministry after that. And it's a great ministry. Like they bring in a lot of different perspectives. I think that um, it's a wonderful view on grace when it comes to mental health because they bring in a lot of perspectives and sometimes, you know, like differing perspectives because they want everybody to hear like all about the topic they don't you know when did that happen that was within the past uh, it's been a while longer um, than 10 years yes definitely okay okay well i i also shared with you all i, I do you mind if i share just like a minute or two of this youtube video oh i sent it i sent it both to you it's the craig Rochelle. i haven't listened to the whole thing so um I will put some links in the show notes, by the way, any of the things that we're talking about today, we'll put links in the show notes, but Craig Rochelle is the main pastor for life church, which is a, a campus-based um, church based out of Oklahoma is where he is. We went to the church in near Nashville. It's been a while since I've gone, but as I'm looking around, I found a sermon that he had a series and I just wanted to share I just love the way that he said this. Um, let me make sure that I have sound. You all let me know if if it's not. Do you see Craig Rochelle there? You do? Yes. Okay. So I just, I love the passion with which he says this, and I thought it might generate some thoughts as we're talking. So uh, Of your marriage. And there are so many misunderstandings when it comes to mental health. I want to just build a foundation today, and then we're going to build on top of it. And I'm going to show you the two mental health myths that I've noticed most in the church today. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. A lot of Christians believe that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. That if you're a Christian because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because you've been saved, you shouldn't battle with anxiety, or you you really shouldn't be depressed, or you shouldn't be burned out. And if you do struggle with one of these things, then it's probably your fault. In other words, you don't have enough faith, or you're not praying enough, or if you are praying a lot, you're not praying right, or 
there's some kind of a sin in your life that you need to confess and get out of your life. And if you get that sin out of your life, then you're not gonna be anxious, or you're not gonna be overwhelmed, or you're not gonna be burned out, or you're not gonna be struggling. What I wanna do is show you that you can love Jesus and still fight depression. You can be in the Word. You can have the longest Bible streak in the version Bible app of anybody in your life group and still battle with anxiety. You can attend church faithfully and sit on the front row and lift your hands for worship and tithe and serve in the two-year-old room and still struggle to overcome trauma, partially because it's traumatic to serve in the two-year-old room. <laughs> I had forgotten how much I really enjoyed his preaching, but to hear, I mean, he shared at the beginning and I told you all, and I'll put links to this as well. It's a series. I haven't listened to the whole thing. I haven't even actually listened to the first one completely, but he shares that he had what he called a breakdown. And I'm not sure what all that entailed, but I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think he had preached a sermon before on mental health until he had, I could be wrong, but until he had this breakdown. And it's kind of like what you said, even with the Warrens, which we're so glad they have it, but not until something happened where they actually experienced it in their own life. So, but what did you all think about that? I mean, the passion, like why are churches saying that more often? I, I thought it was excellent and I did listen. I listened to all of it on the um, oh, you way did? home and I, I really appreciate like how transparent he was and he kind of makes note that he talks about struggling with burnout as a pastor and all the different responsibilities and um, how that affects mental health. But, you know, like the series he's doing on lots of different topics. So I appreciated that for sure. It's really good. Yeah. Did you listen to it too, Gracie, or watch it? I did. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so you, I, both, I, you both finished it and I didn't. Well, that's just right. Well, thank you for, thank you for saying it, saving it, sharing it with us. <laughs> but I, but I think part of it is, and we were kind of talking about this earlier is, you know, whether it's, I'm sharing my testimony so I can help you. I think one of the things that's core in Christianity is the concept of hope. Mm -hmm. Right. And to acknowledge that bad things happen that no matter how hard you try it might not get better it contradicts that message of hope because i think in getting something that michelle you were talking about you know that spectrum mental health just as medication right mental health is, is on that that spectrum and we're not either mentally healthy or mentally ill right there's all of that but a lot of times the message has to be in sound bites it has to be easy to understand and if we're talking about hope about but how in the moments it's not going to get better in this moment, ah, how do you reconcile that? How do you make that message easy to say, easy to hear? Right. And I think that's part of it because think about it. The core of this is the salvation, you know, the hope, the faith, all that other stuff and all this other stuff doesn't align with it. Hmm. So we don't, so we don't talk about it. That's an interesting take. Um, do you, have you heard messages like this preached in churches that you've attended? Like the one we watched? Like that one. And and do you feel like that that disconnect with salvation is something that you've noticed or you just think? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, because like growing up, a lot of the messages were 
if you don't have enough, you know, if things are happening, it's because you didn't have enough faith. But one of the things I was very lucky is um, I'm in recovery. I have uh, 22 years clean and sober. Yes. And one of the things in the rooms in, the, in AA and stuff like that, there's all these messages of salvation, whether it's church related or not. And so one of the things of going to a lot of AA meetings is I've been introduced to a lot of churches directly and indirectly where the message is of, of hope and of salvation. And they, they preach the hard messages. Right. And I think it's really interesting that a lot of people in recovery kind of get attracted to those churches. There's a reason for that. Hmm. So, yeah. So they might not have the, the overt ministries, but yeah, they're out there. And what did you, what did you think, Michelle? I don't even remember what I, what I asked, but so, I mean, I, I think because I'm involved with, um, as you know, like I'm involved, I don't think Grace is in the, with the Celebrate Recovery Ministry um, and have been like I've, at different times, like through the years um, and am now. And I think that um, it's a very powerful tool. And I think that there are people even within like the recovery ministry who love each other, who agree to disagree on some topics when it comes to um like even, even recovery. But I think the thing is love. I think the reason you're still a family is because you respect each other's opinion mm-hmm. and you give each other, you know, grace and understanding and you listen. And I think that like sometimes that's not always given outside of recovery. I, I, I really feel like recovery ministries do a great job of that. But then when it gets, when you get outside of that, it's, it's a little bit different, even though people, and I really do believe that the, that everyone is doing what they believe is the best and what they believe God would have them do. I don't think anybody's maliciously ever saying things to hurt people's feelings or I think all, you know. And so much of that has to do too with, like Gracie was saying with Catholics, what you were taught growing up in the church and like how you were taught, what you were taught, how long you were in that. And because if you were like ingrained and raised in a particular denominational belief or, or scriptural interpretation or whatever it is, then like you said, Michelle, if you are, if you are passing that advice along, you really believe in your whole heart and soul that you're doing what God would have you do. And so I don't, I believe as well. I don't believe that there's maliciousness about it, but there's definitely a misunderstanding about it. But, the, but that just made me think too, because you get the word love keeps coming up. Have you seen, I keep getting the title wrong, Jesus revolution. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what it's called? I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. We went and saw it yesterday and not to, I mean, not to spoil anything, but it is a true story, but um, I was just a toddler and I don't think either of you were born. I just discovered with Gracie, but 67 ish, 68, when, you know, there were, it was the big Jesus revolution. It started out in California and this older, I don't even know the names except for Lonnie and see, I can't Frisbee, Lonnie Frisbee. I remember him. He's passed away. I think one of the other pastors has passed away, but basically it's this hippie pastor meets this older pastor who's pastoring a church that's very small, not growing. And it's about the message of love for these hippies. And, and the thing they were talking about was, you know, all of this hate Ashbury in San Francisco and all of these kids were searching for God and love through 
psychedelics and music and drugs, other drugs, because they, they were searching for the same thing. And that was to belong and love and feel part of a community, which is what this, this church did. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like the revolution we need to have now in the world of mental health is like, just love me, you know, just understand that, no, I never wanted to live in this. And you both have experienced mental health issues yourself. And it's, it's the deepest, darkest, worst pain that you will ever feel physically even. Um, so I always, I always talk about that, that I would rather have more children with no pain medicine. You know, I would rather whatever the worst pain I can think of, I would rather have it over and over than what I suffered through, you know, in the pits of mental health. And well, when I talk to folks or, and, and I hear your testimonies and stories and the whole idea of, well, if you kill yourself, you can go to hell. Oh. And folks I've talked to like, I'm already in hell. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and, and they're not being facetious or whatever. It's like, this is the deepest, darkest, worst thing. Oh, you're telling me I'm going to go to hell. I'm already there. So yeah. Hey, hugged community. I've never said that before. Do you like it? Should we use it? I don't know. I just wanted to jump in here and say, we told you early on, I think that if we went long, we would divide it into two sessions. And we did, we talked almost an hour. We could have talked hours longer. And so this felt like a good ending point to sort of hopefully encourage you to come back next time to see what we're going to talk about with that deepest, darkest place. So we put a few resources in the show notes today. We'll put like the full gamut of them that we talk about in next week's show notes. So I'm going to go ahead and transition back to our normal ending so that you can feel hugged before you leave. So here we go. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving your time to us as we ask you every week. Please, I say we, now it's back to I. I forgot we weren't really a we, but maybe we'll be a we, who knows. Anyway, um, thank you. Subscribe, download, invite your friends. If you're a woman and you're not part of the private Facebook group, do that. That's in the show notes. Um, I'll have whatever information Gracie wants me to post about her. And then Michelle, I have her info unless she decided she doesn't want to be contacted in any way, but because um, she has a private, a private practice in Middle Tennessee. So I'll post all of that in the show notes. And Gracie, what we say at the end is, I'll tell you what we say, and then we'll say it together. We say, until next time, consider yourself hugged. And it's always bad, okay? So I'm going to count three, two, one. Let's try that. And then we'll say, until next time, consider yourself hugged. Everybody got it? Okay. Three, two, one. Until next time, consider yourself hugged. hugged. <laughs> always terrible, but not too bad. <laughs>